0: Ground Under Repair's Amazon Item of the Week is the Tin Cup Custom Marker. I think we've all been in this situation if we play enough golf. You get paired up with somebody, and it turns out you're playing nearly identical balls. Ever wonder how the pros, who really only use a few different types of golf balls throughout the entire tour, differentiate their balls? Besides Bubba Watson, of course, who plays those colored Volviks, They mark them. If you put a mark on your ball, it'll be easier to tell apart. Follow the link on our Blog Talk radio page. You'll recognize the image I chose from Breaking Bad, but Tin Cup makes a number of different designs. Make sure your ball is your ball. Get a Tin Cup. And now, I believe we have a tea time. From Florida, the golf capital of the world, I'm Tim Williams, and this is Ground Under Repair. Private golf clubs have been a staple of the game, more or less, since golf was created. All over the world, private golf courses serve paying members, and for the rest of us, getting in requires knowing somebody. Well, this week, that somebody is Henry Wallmeyer, President and CEO of the National Club Association. The NCA is a Washington, D.C.-based organization that lobbies to protect and further the interest of private clubs across America some of which many of you drive by every day. Henry's going to take us through the gates and tell us all about private clubs. Remember, today we only have the guest pass, so I guess we're going to have to be on our best behavior. Well, Henry, welcome to the show. The NCA is an organization that focuses on lobbying. Tell us a little bit about your efforts in that regard. What kind of issues require input from the National Club Association?
1: Okay, well, well Tim, it's great to be on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Uh National Club Association is a trade association located here in Washington DC uh with a main focus on advocating uh, for private clubs. Um, and you're right, people might say, well, what are you, you know, advocating or what are you lobbying on? And there are a lot of issues that are affecting uh, private clubs, the same type of issues that affect small businesses, because that's what private clubs are. So, uh, we've had keen interest in, uh, what's been the introduction, but, uh, no passage. Of uh, repeal and replace of uh, of the Affordable Care Act, uh, there are some um, aspects of that that we would have liked to have seen changed for the benefit of uh, of private clubs. Uh, we're also looking at uh, environmental in- uh, legislation regulations that uh, that are in place or are hoping to to change, such as uh, Waters of the U.S., uh, which one that uh, thankfully um, you know has been uh, halted by a court and is being rescinded. But there will be new language that comes out, uh, which will provide clarity for. Uh, um, you know definitions of what are protected bodies of waters and and what are not um, a lot of uh you know other labor issues uh, overtime regulation was a very big thing for us uh in the uh, in the golf community uh, because it is such a seasonal um, uh, endeavor and so you know that would have been something that would have greatly affected uh you know our our members uh, our private clubs um, and so thankfully we have seen that that again has been uh you know shut down by a court uh, is being rescinded but there will be uh, more for, uh, regulation to come out from that, but we think at least it will be much more palatable for the uh, the industry uh, to handle as opposed to what was going to be basically a 100 percent jump in the uh, the minimum wage. Uh, and there's some other things that uh, that we're looking at too with regard to um, you know labor and, and over um, and um, unionization, Um, you know, the previous administration, um, you know, had put in steps that that made it very easy for employees uh, to unionize. And so now we're looking to, you know, work to make sure that it's not as easy or as at least the employers are giving a fair shake, you know, for those types of things. So those are the issues that, uh, you know, that, that we're seeing right now that, um, you know, that are affecting private clubs. But as you see, you know, a lot of those are affecting, uh, you know, very uh, many small businesses, um, you know, all across the country.
0: Well, and. At the risk of getting a little bit political, I grew up around small business and sometimes it just seems like they don't have much of a voice in government. So could you tell me any other organizations the NCA might end up aligning itself with that also represent small businesses in Washington?
1: Um, absolutely and and it's it's a great question because we sort of uh, go about our activities here in d c um you know on, on a two path track you know one is with our allies in the uh, the golf uh, industry, uh, specifically golf course superintendents, so we do a lot of work with them in their uh, government relations uh, staff and departments and some of the other folks uh, and then on the other side, the other track it's those uh, organizations here in washington d such as the National Federation of Independent businesses or the u s chamber of commerce or the National Association of Manufacturers. You know these are the organizations that are representing, like you said, those uh, those small businesses and trying to give them a voice. And there's a lot of times where you know we can you know partner with them and work together. And you might say, well, what does a manufacturer have to do with a uh, you know a private club? Uh, but it is it's those um, you know labor issues. It's those human resources uh, that are so important to uh, you know to a manufacturer or to a private club to make sure that they have you know the workers that they need uh, be able to treat them, um, you know, right and be able to serve their, uh, you know, either their clients, their customers, or their, uh, their members.
0: Being that you represent a, a very much golf kind of based interest with private clubs, do you get to play a lot of golf with
1: the people you're talking to? <laughs> um, it's funny because I am not a big golfer. Um, I have, uh, you know, enjoyed the game from, you know, watching it on, uh, on TV and even going to, uh, going to tournaments. I fully understand it. I very much like the business side of it. Uh, but I don't play a whole lot of golf. I'm starting to do it a little bit more, um, you know, in this position. And because I do have, uh, the ability when I go see our members to, uh, to experience their wonderful, uh, wonderful courses. Um, but in terms of the people that we are, um, Trying to meet with and uh, and lobby, uh, we're usually doing that in their offices up on uh, on Capitol Hill because uh, we see that's the the best most effective place to to be able to do it. Because uh, also we can meet with um, you know not only a congressman or senator but more so their uh, their staff, whether it might be their chief of staff or their legislative director. Um, you know, and these are the folks who really get into the nuts and bolts of the issues, and we can walk in there and fully explain to them you know why it's important to be able to bring in more. Um, you know, workers on the H-2B visa program, um, and they you know understand that because they again know the uh, uh, the intricacies of that, and then they can take that to the congressman or senator and say, you know, hey, this is why it's important to support this issue, and so uh, we look to do all of our uh, our work here uh, uh, on Capitol Hill and and uh, you know hit them where they are, <laughs> so to speak.
0: In addition to working with with Congress and working at as a lobby the national club association in addition to all the lobby work you do you also do a fair amount of image work there are images associated with private clubs that are always that not always flattering so there's a there's some uphill battle in that
1: in that regard i imagine um absolutely you are you are 100% correct in that because um, you know when people hear of private clubs uh for the most part it's, uh, it it conjures up a negative connotation of something that's for um, you know the affluent or you know it's exclusive or it's discriminatory and those couldn't be further from the truth um and so when we are um you know talking about uh you know private clubs whether it is on the hill or then also in, in the media um you know we we talk about, you know, what is happening at these private clubs and these clubs, how many people are they employing, you know, whether it's on average 150 people, you know, at a private club, um, you know, and what are the clubs doing to uh, help their community, whether it's, you know, what are they paying in uh, in taxes, um, you know, how much are they buying from their local vendors? Um, and that's the story that we need to tell. And and for far too long, uh, especially on the other side, you know, in the, in the media side, uh, the private club has gotten beaten up. And one of the things that I've tried to do in my um, you know, to your tenure here at the National Club Association is to make sure that we had the ability to tell our story um, because we wanted to make sure that people knew what good works were going on at private clubs and the people that are employed there um, and, you know, how it does help a community and, and what it can do because, you know, if we're not telling our story, somebody else is and they're probably going to be doing it with uh, with wrong or, or incorrect or, or misleading information. So I wanted to make sure that we have the ability to uh, to really let people know, you know, the, uh, the benefits that the private clubs do have in communities, um, you know, for the members and more so for the uh, employees. And, you know, quick story that um, Congressman Wrangell uh, from New York, and we were talking to him about uh, some legislation and, and some of their issues. And, and he made a comment that uh, he doesn't have any private clubs in his congressional district. And we said, that's correct, Congressman. But what you do have is people who work um, you know, at these private clubs, they live in your district. And so that's what we're trying to do is make it better for these employees. And so, you know, it's the, the tried and true story of, you know, when you educate somebody, we can provide them all the facts and show them what act- is actually happening. That's when they seem to to learn and understand and realize that, okay, you know, a private club isn't this, you know, you know bad thing because that's what I've heard from other people. But it is truly a small business that is uh, making a very positive impact for the community and its employees.
0: You mentioned the business of golf earlier. I think part of the perception of public or private courses that you would have to get over is that they're somehow really flush with money. And they all have have all this money because we hear what the fees are to join these clubs. And we just think there's so much money laying around But of course, people don't realize what goes into the business side of running one of these private clubs and how much money they actually have to spend just to keep themselves in business.
1: Um, absolutely. Um, you know, and again, and you'll hear the stories of, you know, uh, XYZ country clubs initiation fee is, you know, 85, 100, 120. Um, and you hear those because that is more the exception than the rule. Um, you know, I can tell you that that's not what the average initiation fees are, you know, for private clubs. Um, yes, there are, you know, clubs that are out there that um, are absolutely spectacular that can, um you know uh, provide uh, such great services that they are able to uh, to charge those uh, those initiation fees um but even so that they are you know they still have a lot that they need to uh, put back into the club to to serve their members uh but for the most part you know club uh, initiation fees and dues are are much more uh, much lower um, much more um available to um you know to folks than you hear you know these the stories of these these very high end clubs and that's another mis- uh, uh perception that we're trying to change is that you know clubs aren't for everybody and and they are um you know they're they're becoming more family centric um you know because they have to because of the Um, society of how it is now and and the limited time that people have and especially families. And so, you know, with that, you know, the money that is being put into a club, you know, from initiation fees and from dues is absolutely going right back to being reinvested, whether it is for, you know, the golf facilities or whether it is for improvements in the, um, other facilities, such as the health and wellness in a a spa and a salon, or, you know, adding more tennis courts or paddleball courts, or, you know, putting up a golf performance center, that's going to have your, um, you know, a a simulator or, um, you know, uh, diagnostics uh, of anything that that you're looking to do. And um, so these are the types of things where, you know, money that comes into a club is generally, you know, turned right around and reinvested back into that club because that's what members are looking for. They're looking for that value and say, okay, well, you know, what am I going to be able to get from my membership And clubs need to be on top of that? Because if not, there's a lot of competing entities out there. Uh, May not be another private club, but it's, you know, plenty of other restaurants or other um, you know, entertainment factors that are out there that can get people's attention, and so clubs realize that that they need to be you know on the forefront of being able to provide members with such great um, activities and experiences. I think that's a great point
0: that you brought up. That they're not; these aren't all the super exclusive clubs that we like to imagine. Yes, when looking at the member or the member clubs of the NCA you see Augusta National in there you see the Country Club of Brookline in there but you also see a wider wider range of clubs in there there are, not all memberships are just based on a whole lot of money there are a fair amount of courses out there that are private for other reasons they're private to members of a profession or member people who work for a certain company
1: uh, that is correct, um you know, and that's one of the great things about private clubs is um it's that ability to um be able to be in a community and recreate with whom that you choose. Uh, And yeah, that line might be, um, you know, people that are, you know, work for a same, uh, you know, company or it might be, um, you know, that have same, um, you know, belief systems, whether it might be religious or political uh, might be, you know, based on whether it's, uh, you know, an all male or all female club uh, as well. And so that's a great thing that the fact that, you know, private clubs have the ability, um, you know, to do and uh, associate uh, with whom they choose, you know, as long as they're, you know, following the guidelines to, uh, you know, to be a truly private club. Um, You know, and and that's, you know, again, what we're, um, you know, working towards is trying to get people to understand that, yes, you know, there are some private clubs that have uh, memberships that are um, very exclusive to whom they want to let in, but that's fine because they have the ability and, and the right to do that. And so we just, we as an association, you know, need to make sure that those clubs are doing everything uh, that they're supposed to be uh, to maintain their private club status so they have that ability to uh, to uh, associate freely.
0: On our last episode, I was talking to Bob Donovan of the Francis Wimette Scholarship Fund, and Bob pointed out something about private clubs that I had never really considered, that by being the main source of caddies and jobs for caddies, private clubs end up bringing a lot of young people to the game of golf. Uh,
1: that absolutely true. That That is absolutely true. One of the things that we are constantly working with uh, our members uh, is helping them with their caddy programs uh, because we do see that as a way of, um, you know, one, providing a great service to their members. Um, you know, I don't know if you've had the chance to play golf with, uh, with a caddy or not, but it is a, uh, a great experience. Um, you know, the, the one time I was able to do it, I played my same golf ball all 18 holes <laughs> because my caddy was able to find mine where I definitely would not have been able to. Um, so it's the, being able to provide that uh, that service to a, uh, to a member of a club uh, by saying, you know, you have a caddy who can, you know, help you uh, throughout your round of golf is a wonderful thing. But then to, you know, get these, uh, you know, kids involved in it is, is even better because it's going to introduce them to golf in a way that they may not have ever been introduced to the game because they didn't play and say, well, hey, here's an opportunity, one, to learn the game and, and you know, learn the the very unique and interesting aspects of it, um, as well as, you know, earn money while you're doing it. And so we very much support, uh, you know, caddy programs that uh, that our clubs have. Uh, whether it is, you know, the youth side or, you know, even on the uh, the full time on the adult side, um, because we do see that as an opportunity in a way to get people involved in, uh, you know, in golf. Uh, if you may not, you know, be playing the game or may not have the skill to play the game, but still to to be around it. And so uh, that's a wonderful thing, um, you know, that a lot of our clubs do have our caddy programs and a way to be able to introduce these kids into the game.
0: Thursday Night Football is on Amazon Prime. That's right, you cord cutters out there can still watch this week's fascinating matchup between the New England Patriots and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers through Amazon. The Patriots are coming to Tampa off a loss to Carolina, the Bucks scraped by the Giants, and they're thinking playoffs. If you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it anywhere. Don't have Prime? Good news! You can get a th- free 30-day trial right now in time to watch the Bucks and Pats. Just follow the link on our Blog Talk Radio page for your 30-day free trial. You get Thursday Night Football, Amazon Prime video and music, and two-day shipping on a wide range of items for no added charge. In some places, you can even get certain items the same day you order them, no extra cost. Follow our link, sign up for Amazon Prime, and watch the Bucks game from wherever you are. Well, and it grows the game because much like private clubs, golf itself is always fighting an image of elitism and of being shut off to certain people. But then you see, well, that scholarship fund was named after Francis met, who started out as a caddy and became a great golf champion. And there are certainly people like that. Jack Nicholas started out caddying for his own father. So it's a good way to introduce people to the game and people who... Might not necessarily have come to golf in any other way.
1: Um, absolutely, I mean it's funny. The, the individual who um, you know works for us, does our uh, public relations work, started that same way. He started caddying as a kid, and now he's a, a very avid golfer. Uh, but again, he got introduced to the game as a caddy, and if he hadn't, he probably would not be playing you know, today. So that is a, a very uh, good avenue for to to try to grow the game is to you know get these people in, and then when they have the uh, the time or the resources to be able to play later on. And
0: not to belabor it too much, but it's also a a good way of helping get them the financial assistance they need for college because there are an awful lot of scholarship funds out there for caddies that and not just the the one up in Massachusetts that I mentioned, but they're they're all over the country. So it's a great way to help. It's one of the great summer jobs and one of the great jobs for a young person to have. You mentioned there are also professional caddies, adult caddies, and we've spoken to the Professional Caddies Association on this show as well. We have a whole lot of respect for the Michael Grellers of the world. So, so there's that as well. But I think it does that private clubs do a great service for, for young people and high school students throughout the country.
1: Right, absolutely. And uh, the Western Golf Association has the, uh, the Evan Scholarship, uh, you know, for caddies, which is a huge program. Um, and I was talking to a reporter for the Politico, which is a, uh, a DC-based um, publication. Uh, and he started out as a caddy, was able to get a scholarship to go to University of Missouri, um, majored in journalism, and now writes um, for uh, Politico. And so it was all—I'll um, say all, but it was very much. Um you know, because of the uh, caddy scholarship that he uh received to be able to go to uh, to college and so it was great to be able to um you know see that control circle and then he was <laughs> you and me on some uh some issues with private clubs and some things uh that were uh, going on so it was great to see that but yeah uh, you're absolutely right with that the you know the kids have the opportunity um you know in clubs um you know will do that with their scholarships and you know whether it 's a caddy scholarship or other scholarships that private clubs um you know provide for the um uh, the children of employees uh, to help them, you know, as they uh, continue their education uh, is quite an amazing thing. And again, that's something where, you know, it doesn't get a lot of publicity, but again, good things that uh, that clubs are doing.
0: And beyond just adding all those caddies, are there other members, the or other measures, the NCA or perhaps some of your member organizations are taking to grow the game of golf that you're aware of?
1: Um, well, what we're seeing at, at the private clubs is um, definitely a way to get the family involved, specifically the kids and more the females. Um, because, you know, we're seeing the dynamics and the demographics of of golfers that are changing. And so what clubs uh, can do, and they have the luxury because they've got that, you know, that membership that's built in is they can say, okay, well, we can put together, you know, events for, you know, three holes or six holes or or nine holes, you know, to get people uh, introduced to the game, or if they don't have a, you know, a full four and a half or five hours of play, come out here and play for a couple hours. So we're seeing a lot of clubs that are uh, promoting um, you know, playing, you know, just a little bit of uh, of golf. Uh, again, seeing a lot of clubs that are building these uh, these golf performance centers, so you can come out and you can you know hit um, you know for an hour or so and uh, and have your swing um, monitored. Uh, you can do you know club fittings, uh, but then you know you've got the coach right there, and so you can just come out and do that for a little you know for an hour or two, and then um, you know and then go on with uh, whatever you, that you need to do. So we're seeing a lot more of that. Uh, we're seeing a lot of fun things that uh, the clubs are doing. Um, there's one um, private club here. Northern Virginia that started a uh, a wine event on Friday evenings for ladies. Um Who are not already involved in golf at the club um and so uh they would play three holes on a friday uh evening uh there'd be wine at each of the holes as they're going around and but it's a very social um atmosphere um they don't have to worry about you know the group behind them or miss hitting because all the people who are playing uh are beginners in golf, and so that's another way to be able to try to introduce people to the game of golf you know at a fun uh level. Uh, but then hopefully, you know, after they get comfortable with that, then they would be able to go out and, you know, and feel comfortable playing, you know, six holes or nine holes and then ultimately, uh, 18. So you're seeing a lot of things like that where, um, you know, golf or private clubs are doing things to, uh, to change how their members can come in and experience golf, uh, and without it just being, come in, playing 18 holes and, uh, and that's it. Um, you know, and we're also seeing, you know, um, you know, courses and specifically one, um, outside of Chicago, um, Medina on their number two course, where they have uh renovated it in what they call Golf for Life, where they've put seven tee boxes. On every hole, and it's based on your skill level. So if you're a uh, you know younger person just learning the game, you're going to play from you know the closest tee box. And then as you get better, you move back. And then as you uh, get older and um, you don't have as much strength as you did as a uh, as a youngster, then you start moving forward again. Um, but it's always you know still a par four or a par three or a par five. Uh, there might just be you know big differences in the length of those. But that gives people the opportunity to you know to still have a shot at, you know, getting a a birdie or, you know, or paring a hole um, based on their skill level. So we're seeing more things like that where, um, you know, clubs are trying to uh, make it more uh, inviting to all of the members uh, at their club to, uh, to come out and play golf.
0: Speaking of growing the game and as well as growing these clubs, For most of us, the only way we're going to get in to play a private club, at least anytime soon, is to know a member and to get that guest pass for the day. Can you speak a little bit to the importance of those guest passes to getting people to these clubs, to getting them to serving as an advertisement for things that often happen behind closed doors, but for something like a golf course, a lot of people are going to need to play it first, especially if that's going to be the main course they play.
1: Uh, Right. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, that's how you see most people who become a member of a, uh, of a club is because they've been invited by, uh, by one or uh, most cases, you know, two members um, who are, are already at that uh, at that facility, and so it is important for them to um, you know to invite them to come, uh, you know, and, and see the entire club and, and play the course. And but what we're seeing is that um, a club's um, you know process uh, you know process toward you know membership or, or new members is is changing. Before you know, it used to be that they would sit down and, and talk to a person and say, well, you know, here's your list of benefits. That's what you get, and this is how much it costs uh now you're seeing where clubs are inviting prospective members to uh enjoy the club for um you know a couple weeks maybe a month. And that includes, you know, one round of golf uh, for you know, in the family, depending on those types of things. So it's much more of a, hey, come out and, you know, give our club a test drive, so to speak. Um, and so to make sure that you do understand how things are here, you do feel that uh, that you fit in well, uh, that you do like what's happening and everything that's going on. And so they really get that that full experience as opposed to just coming in and, you know, um, you know as, as a, a member sort of, you know, cold uh, in that front. So, But it is absolutely important for current members of clubs to um, try to grow the game by inviting their friends to to come to that facility. And again, the friend might play golf, but the friend's wife and and children may not. But because they can come to the club and there are these other activities uh, and unique and fun aspects uh, centered around golf at the club, that might then be able to get them engaged and involved uh, in golf as well.
0: And that's a good point that brings me to another question about competition, because private clubs aren't just competing with other private clubs. They're also competing with all the golf courses around them. I just moved down to the Tampa Bay area, and of course there are courses all over the place here, only some of which are private, but a lot of which are excellent. The TPC Tampa Bay, for example, is a public course. I could go pay the money and play it this afternoon if I had the time, and that's that can be a tall order for a lot of these private clubs that they have to compete not only with other private clubs that want the same member and want those membership fees but they also are competing with the other courses
1: in in their area uh absolutely correct absolutely true and that's one of the things where We've seen um, since the downturn in the economy when 08 and 09, um, you know, and and now that we've grown from that, where we've seen clubs succeed is ones who have been able to provide uh, that great value uh, to their members. And whether that is in the golf experience by again being able to have, you know, a a pristine course in great shape, um, you know, great instructors, great lessons, um, you know, in, in that atmosphere. Uh, there's there, but it's also, what else is that club doing to provide value to that member? And so um, we've seen the clubs grow in a lot of different ways, uh, so much so to the point now that um, in recent surveys that we've seen, golf is probably the, you know, maybe fourth uh, or fifth most important thing uh, at a private club. Um, you know, first you're looking at, you know, potentially food and beverage, and then you're looking at health and wellness, and then you're looking at activities, um, you know, and then it's the other recreation opportunities, you know, for the family. So that's, uh, you know, a benefit that a club does have is that it can provide, you know, not only the great golf, you know, like a public facility can, but okay, here's some other things that uh, are very important to you and to your family that we have here at the club. You know, clubs have gone to much more uh, casual dining. Um, You know, they've uh, the, the atmosphere is more casual, but the food has gone up, uh, in terms of quality and presentation and what they're able to offer. Uh, and then again, with the, uh, the health and wellness with fitness facilities, we've seen, you know, clubs, I think about 60% uh, of, uh, golf and country clubs now have some type of fitness center. Um, you know, and of that, I think about 40% are looking to expand those because that's what people are looking for. And then you're looking at, you know, clubs being, being able to have uh, rehabilitation services as well, um, you know, some clubs uh, in this area, the Washington D.C. area, have a uh, physical therapist come to the club, and then the people can do their physical therapy work, you know, at the club. And you know, those are the types of things where, you know, clubs can benefit. And so, right, they are competing against other golf courses, but then they're also competing against, you know, other restaurants or other, you know, entertainment uh venues um, you know, for their uh, for their time and for their kids' time. And so clubs have done a very good job um, you know, of, of repositioning themselves and transitioning to be that um full uh, place of activity for the family. Um, you know, it used to be clubs wanted to be family friendly, uh, but that's not enough anymore. Clubs need to be family centric to be able to uh, engage and entice their members to spend their time at that facility.
0: I think a good place to finish up, given all that the National Club Association does, both politically and in terms of the media in terms of perception. So you would have a very good keen eye for how much the environment around golf is changing. You mentioned environmental laws, for example, that you might need to work to tweak to help your, your member organizations. But of course, laws or none, we're learning more and more about the environment. And that is changing how golf courses go about their business, which is also changing the amount of money that golf courses have to spend to keep things on the up and up. And in many cases, to keep their members happy, because there are plenty of places where the members actually have an eye for this as well, and would like to see some kind of movement on that in that regard. But of course, this is all very costly and it's changing how golf does business. So can you speak a bit to how much the world is kind of changing around
1: golf right now? Uh, absolutely. The uh, Just even hit on the environment. Um, you know, the private club industry is um coming finally coming to the table in terms of okay let's be more sustainable at our uh at our facilities and whether that is you know from the golf course or to anything dealing with the clubhouse uh and everything in between um because we are seeing that that is what people are looking for and, and they they want to see that um and so our members uh you know our our private clubs are going out there and they're they're understanding their concerns of their members, the um the likes of their members and, and what their members would like to see, and trying to implement that and see how that they can um you know become more sustainable. Uh and ideally what you try to do is you know, in those sustainability practices, especially on the golf course, is you know how can we do it where um, you know we are more sustainable, but it actually could potentially save us money in terms of if a club says, okay, well we're going to have more you know no-mow areas where we're going to just a lot more natural landscape. Whether where okay, what are we going to do in terms of our watering? You know, are we really looking at that to see that we're maximizing you know what we are watering, where the water is going, and so you know when you take a study, you take a look. And and study where all of your sprinklers are going. You know, is it time to potentially, you know, update the sprinklers or, okay, well, I'm watering a whole lot of car paths that, that don't need to be watered or I'm watering an area that doesn't need to be, you know, because it is, you know, a, a no or, you know, out of bounds or whatever. And so you look at these different things. And so um, I don't think it's much mutually exclusive um, in terms of, of cost saving and being more environmental. And I think, in fact, actually, if you do it properly, uh, you can be more environmental and, you know, without increasing costs or potentially even lower them, you know, depending on everything that uh, that you do. And
0: certainly given how things are going, the clubs that want to be active members of their community have to be a little more environmental because we all kind of have to be a little more environmental as we learn more about what's going on and what's already gone on. So like like I said, the world's kind of changing around golf, but it's happened before and golf has had no problem surviving that.
1: Right. I think you've got a lot of very, very smart people who are in the golf industry. And I think once they realize and understand what the market is looking for, they're happy to uh, and willing to provide, um, you know, that product, which is, you know, great golf. um, You know, is it at, you know, a shorter, uh, you know, time frame? So it doesn't take, you know, the five hours or six hours that you can do it in a short time frame, but still on a a very nice course, uh, but does have a lot of environmental components, um, you know. Uh, mixed in with that. So I think, you know, it's just... The big thing is, especially you know we look at it you know from a um a policy perspective you know coming out from um the regulatory agencies or from legislation is we just need to know what the rule is um and that was a pro- one of the problems with waters of the u s that was um you know put out last year that there was no definitions on a lot of things, like whether it was considered protected or not, and what is the definition of a puddle and a lot of things that are just uh, you understood that they tried to make it to you know to be more uh, environmentally friendly and and to protect um you know our land which is great but it was just being done in such a, a way that nobody had any clear direction and so that's what we're asking for is just give us the direction let us know what is right, what is wrong, um, you know, what we should be doing. And then we will go out and do that. And uh, like you said, you know, the golf industry has you know, has changed and uh, been able to, um, you know, mutate and, and come around and, and be where we are today. Um, you know, and we'll continue to do that. But we just need to know, especially, you know, here in D.C. is, well, what are the rules? You know, give us the rules and we'll be happy to play by them. And then we'll put out a great product and succeed, you know, from that. But it's the ambiguity that really makes it tough for us to operate. That's our
0: show for this week. Thanks to Henry Wallmeyer, president and CEO of the National Club Association, for taking us behind the gates and showing us a little bit about private clubs. Thanks to Amazon for allowing us to offer deals to all of you out there as well. Follow the links on our Blog Talk radio page. We've got some good stuff for you. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're available on iTunes stitcher and blog talk radio got a lot coming up moving to what i consider the golf capital of the world has given me so much more material to cover i'm tim williams this has been ground under repair where golf is for everybody until next time i'll see you out on the course fairways and greens everybody